The Parsha's told us. <clears throat> so this is the only Parsha we really get <clears throat> about Yitzchak. He's one of the three, uh, three forefathers. But um, we get a few, we get three, basically, we get over three Parshios about Abraham, a whole bunch with Yaakov, and then Yosef. But, but this is it pretty much on Yitzchak. And being that he's one of our, he's one of three, and we're not told really one is more important than 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 the other. <clears throat> that means there's a lot to learn from this week's parsha, and it's a little more subtle because it's quote unquote his life is not as exciting as um, <clears throat> as Abraham or Yaakov, but uh, it's equally as important. <clears throat> Sorry. So I wanted to start off with just a nice message that we find towards the end of the parsha. Says. That it's basically as the uh, Torah is, is handing the baton from Yitzhak to Yaakov. The Puzzik says, Yitzhak calls over his son. So Isaac summons Jacob and blesses him. First thing he does, he calls him, gives him the blessing. And then he says, I'm giving you an instruction. Do not take a wife from the Canaanite women. So the Bali Musser, the... Uh, our, our books that focus on character development, they point out from here that this wasn't going to be something personal. It wasn't going to be like Yaakov, that Yitzhak was telling Yaakov he was doing bad at something. He was just giving him something which was going to be instructions, which may be a little bit inconvenient, may be a different opinion than he thought. And in order for that to be effective, the first thing that... Um, that Yitzhak had to do when he called him over to put him at ease and to make to make him feel receptive that he would that he would be would be receptive would be to be to give him a bracha. You gotta give him a bracha. You're showing him that you have his best interest in mind. It's something positive, and that's a, a nice lesson that we have. Um, and that's especially important because Yitzhak is known as our father that represented Din. Justice, which you would think would be this very straight-laced person who wouldn't have an appreciation for this kind of emotional, um, uh, an emotion—it's an emotional method of communicating with with people. So bless people first, then tell them. So flipping back to the beginning of the parsha, we have in chapter twenty-five, verse twenty-eight. So this is a very, very hard story. The story, Yitzchak and Rivka have twins, Yaakov and Esav, and they're opposites. And it seems at the beginning, it's a little bit like, like maybe there was a breakdown in the communication between Rivka and Yitzchak, which obviously um, we're told that with anything from the forefathers not to take things at face value. Uh, there's a lot here. But this one particular verse is extremely intriguing. It says, in verse 28, Isaac loved Esav, past tense or present tense, loved Esav, um, for game was in his mouth. Interesting for a very holy man that that's the reason why he's loving someone. Okay, you have to understand what that means. But then it says, but, but Rebecca loved Jacob. 
Now, if you look clearly at the word, it actually uses a different word when it says love. It says Yitzchak, past tense, <clears throat> loved Esav. And then it says Rivka Oheves es Yaakov. It's like a, it's a present, a forward, uh, a forward, a forward term. So what's going on here? There's a lot of questions to ask. <laughs> Were they playing favorites? Did they have? Uh, did they not communicate about things? Did 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 uh, did Yitzhak not realize that his older son was a pretty evil man? We're not talking about just like you know bad politics or something. I mean, he, he was a murderer. He was a raper. He was an idol worshiper. We're talking about a, a real real evil per- person who did a lot of evil things. But what I wanted to focus on was something that the Dubna Magid points out, and the Dubna Magid. He's famous for his parables, but here actually uh, the idea is not in parable form. He says that what we see here, obviously, we can discuss why they looked at it differently, but the reality is what's being represented here is the concept of it's what you what you are, what you've done versus who you are. And that was, that's what Esav epitomized. Esav epitomized the concept of, it's not about who I am as a person. It's about what I've done. And that means that that, 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 could, change very, that could change very fast. And that's not really appreciating the person or the person appreciating themselves. What Rivka appreciated about Yaakov, she was focusing. It was a forward-focused thing. Who is this person? I saw Rabbi Friend, he, he brings this out in a very interesting way. He says, you know, there, there, there's the famous thing, you know, uh, you ask someone, well, what do you do? And that usually in America, when we ask that, we're, we're referring to, well, what's your job? And, and obviously that's very far, as we've talked about in Rabbi Noah Weinberg's classes, that uh, it's not who you are. That's that's something that that you do. It's not who you are, and this is bringing that out. And this is the the um, Jewish God's way of telling us how a person is supposed to look at other people and look at themselves. Who it's not about. Don't look backwards on what you've accomplished because th- that that could have that could have be a double edged sword. On the one hand, it could be look. I don't, I'm not doing that anymore, or that person is not doing that anymore, therefore I'm not going to value them. Or you can give yourself too big of a pat on the back and say, look, oh, look what I've done. Well, we don't really care. We do care, but really it's a question what you're going to do going forward and who you are. Are you a tzaddik? Are you a kind person? Are you a generous person? And that's why there's the, you know, we're not going to, I don't think right now we're going to, we're going to, we're going to plumb the depths of how it seems like they, 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 they uh, played favorites, we're bringing out the Mida of Yaakov and the Mida of Esau. Moving along over here, in verse 27, chapter 27, verse 27. So, this quick storyline. Yitzchak's getting old. He wants to give over his legacy to his sons. He tells his son Esau, to go get him some, trap him some, some of his favorite delicacies. He was going to come back. He was going to serve it to him. And, and Yitzhak was blind. 
Rivka heard about this. She's like, no way, no way. We can't let all these great blessings go to this evil man. She tells her son, Yaakov, you're going to kind of sneak and trick your dad. You're going to get the blessings. So part, part of, the, of the plan was that Yaakov was going to, he was usually a very, he was not such a hairy man. His brother was. And his mother prepared for him some sort of, uh, you know, um, wool, wool or animal, animal, animal hide that would make him feel more like his brother. And what happens is, in verse twenty-seven, says. That I get the wrong verse. One second. Yeah. So by Igash, he comes close. Yaakov is coming close to his father. He's very, very nervous. By Yishak Lo. So brings him close. They kiss. And Yitzhak smells the fragrance of his garments. And the word is Reach Bigadov. By Varchehu. And he started to bless Yaakov. The Medrash says that Yitzchak was really trying to figure out what was going on. It was complicated. This was the eternity of the world because the destiny of the world is hinged on the Jewish people. And the Medrash points out that actually when it says he smelled the garments, big dove, it actually is a reference to, it was a little bit of a play on words. It's not big dove, his clothing, rather bog dove. Bogdov is renegades, Jewish rebels. Medrash explains Yitzchak saw in the future that out of the, the child that was in front of him would come renegades. What is an example of renegades and why would that be a reason to give a beautiful blessing to him? So the Medrash says the famous story with someone named it's hard to pronounce this, but Yosef Mashus. I believe that's how you pronounce it. I could be wrong. And this was someone who lived in the time of the story of Hanukkah. So we're talking about thousands of years ahead. And there's a little bit of a famous story. I think I've heard it actually on some of my kids' Hanukkah tapes, CDs, MP3s, whatever it is. And the story with him was that he was actually a Jew that had sided with the uh, Greeks, which there were many of them. And he actually offered when the Greeks to, to kind of show the Greeks all the secrets in Jerusalem on the temple and a real, real horrible person, really totally turning on God and his people. And he and he finally he he was the tour guide. He brought this big contingent of, of Greeks to the Temple Mount and they wanted to, obviously, as in many, unfortunately, many, many cases when Jews over the years have helped our enemies, very often the enemies turn on them. At least for a while, they look like they're friends, and then things change. So they get to the temple, and the Greek uh, general in charge says, Yosef, we are so appreciative. You can go into the temple, and you can take anything you want. Goes into the temple, and he knew that could be the most valuable individual item because he's being allowed to take one, is a menorah, 
pure, pure gold, huge. You know what gold, look, look online today, how much gold is selling for? Incredible. So he goes and he takes the menorah. And you're not allowed to take the, first of all, he wasn't allowed to go in. It's the holiest place. You're not to move it. And he's going to take it out of the temple. He picks it up and he takes it out. Now, right away, the Greek said, no, 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 no. Come on. That, we, we told you to get signed. We're not going to tell you you could take the most important thing that's there. And he says, um, okay, but I'm not going back in. He's like, I'm not going back in. He just went in there. He's like, no, I, it's, it's holy place. I can't go in. And he's like, I thought you, 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 all of a sudden, are you, are you a holy Jew all of a sudden? What are you, what are you talking about? He's like, no. He said, if you don't go back in, we are going to torture you. And they tortured him and they tortured him to death. And the Panabitcherov, he's one of the builders of Judaism after the Holocaust. He comments on this matter. He says, what's going on over here? What, what happened to this guy? It's a horrible, total in rebellion of everything that Judaism stands for. And then he goes in and he comes out and everything's done. And he has an about face. And the Panamajirav tells us an idea that you see the power of exposure. When you expose yourself and you put yourself in an environment of something holy, you can change. And not only that, but we are such powerful, we have such a strong spiritual DNA, such a good part of us, that if we just have that exposure, we allow ourselves to be exposed, we can make huge changes. Obviously, everything has to be you know healthy and whatever, but the concept, we can, you can totally switch paths. You can live, you can, yes, a person can't be a saint overnight in general. But you could completely change paths. Be this way and go on that way. And that says the Panovich Yerov, that is what Yitzhak saw when he was looking into the future. We're talking about the future of the Jewish people, the future of the world. And he sees that and he sees what is the power of the Jewish people. Our power is, yes, our power is one of our powers. But a, a, the, the key power that Yitzhak saw is that as low as we sink and as far as we may sometimes either take ourselves or people throw us, we are at our core amazing. We're pure. We want to do the right thing and we can change. And the B of that is the way to do that is by exposing yourself to good things and exposing yourself to holiness. That's not called being weak. That's the way of the world. We're being taught that. Don't think, oh, I'm going I'm to go put myself in the lion's den, and, I, and, and, and uh, I shouldn't take any precautions. You know, often people will say, you know, look, there's so many precautions. You know, why can't you just trust yourself? There's so many of the, um, of the, 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 the rabbinical laws and the Torah laws, they're, like, they're, they're, they're predicated on, well, well, if you do this, you may come to do something worse. And often I've heard, you know, that, that be challenged and be like, hey, you know, why can't you just be a better person? Well, God himself tells you that's not the way it works. So that's a very, very powerful thing to know about ourselves. That one, we can, we, we are just so pure at our core. And two, what brings that out 
and the and, and we see how important um, exposure, obviously, to bad and 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 good things. Chapter twenty five. Chapter twenty five, verse twenty five. So, Asav goes out to the field. He just murdered someone. Comes out and he's starving, and he sees his brother Yaakov making these uh, these lentils. And what does it say? Um, one second. He says, I want, I want the red stuff. I want the red stuff. He, re he refers to this being in a very coarse way as, um, as red stuff. We find later on, actually, sorry, we find earlier when Asub was born, it said he, he looked red. It wasn't until this point in time, later on, where the Torah says that's why he's called red. So when he was born, he looked red. And at this point in time, it said that he, he's actually called red. So the commentators point out over here, the Gra, the Gra points out, a famous uh, line from the Gemara and Shabbos, that, that people are actually born with tendencies. And it says in the Gemara and Shabbos that every, every hour of the day has a constellation that it's associated with. And that gives you, um, if you're born under that constellation, that when, when that constellation is dominant, obviously constellations have no power of their own, but that's the way God runs the world, then you get those tendencies, and for better or for worse, you have those tendencies. If a person is born under Mars, which is Madim, which is red, they have a tendency, the Talmud says, to, to uh, be a person who likes the sight of blood. And the Talmud goes on to say how a person could obviously do horrible things with the sight of blood. And there's many, many productive things that a person can do with blood. A person could be a surgeon, a person could be a slaughterer, a person could to be a circumciser, maybe a nurse. Many, many uh, situations where a person could, uh, could, uh, could, could see blood. And the Vilna Gaon, the Gra, great sage from the 1700s, says that there's a famous, famous line, maybe the most famous verse that's invoked in regarding to raising children. And whenever we talk about raising children, obviously uh, today it's kind of in vogue, something called self-parenting, so we're always influencing ourselves. But it says in Mishlei, Proverbs, Darko, that you should uh, you should teach a lad, teach a child according to his way. And the Gra takes this to an extreme. And he says that you have to understand people and understand yourself. Understand children, understand your friends, your family, your spouse, your coworkers, your boss. And people they have tendencies which basically it is who they, they are, who they are. Now, what you, the choices you make with that, that's up to you. Says the Grah, what, ha what happened over here? When Esau was born, Esau was born, so they saw he had certain tendencies, certain wild tendencies. 
But that does not define who I am at all. What defines me is what do I do with the deck of cards that God gave me, with my personality, with my, with my environment, with my tendencies, my strengths, my weaknesses. It, it's at this point, so that, that, that is, there's no credit or detriment to you, the fact that you have those tendencies. What do you get credit for and what do you get debited for? When you, what do you do with it? And at this point in time, the Torah is telling us, yep, Esau has now acted negatively on those tendencies. And that's why he's actually called that. And, and that's, um, and, we, and we find this throughout, that what Judaism is all about is a person taking who they are, channeling it for a greater purpose. What we don't want, we're not supposed to change ourselves. No one gets brainwashed. You take who you are, and 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 make something great out of it. The way I heard once from a rabbi, it's like a we're all diamonds in the rough. You don't change the diamond. You accentuate the diamond. You polish the diamond. Maybe there's some things that are not really part of the diamond that are kind of blocking the diamond. Okay, those you can you you can get you can get get uh, get rid of. Okay, move. Next point here. So in chapter 27, verse 28, it says, so here's the blessings. These are the blessings for the eternity of the world. Because at this point, you know, there's Abraham and there was Isaac. Now we're up to Jacob. Jacob is when all of his kids are going to be the 12 tribes. All of Jacob's descendants are going to be the, um, the leaders and the, and the forebearers of Judaism. What, how, now you'd think this blessing would be oozing with mercy and love and positivity. What's the third word that comes out of Isaac's mouth when he's blessing his son? He says, verse 28, may God give you the dew of the heavens and from the fat of the earth. So there's all kinds of wonderful blessings that we'll have. But it uses the name of God, Elohim. Elohim, you may have heard, is one of the one, one of the most common names that we refer to God as. But it's a reference of that I have to earn something. This is the God of justice, the God of, of, of exactitude. And the question is, if we're talking about blessings, and we're and we're, this is a fatherly loving bequeathing of everything that the father has, why is the, the word he's invoking, you know, you're going you're gonna to have to earn it and you got to do it. You're only going to get it if you deserve it. And it's actually in contrast, because if you look later on a little bit later, when we get, when, when he's giving his second son the blessings, it actually doesn't say that. But he says, tells his son, Asav, you're going to get the blessings that you're just going to get them. What's up with that? So an interesting story. There's a very uh, prestigious rabbi in Israel. His name is, is Rabbi Leth, and he used to be a, a uh, rabbi in Miami. This is a true story. And one time a young man, 18 years old, came to him, drove up in a Porsche, really, real success, looked, looked, looked like a million dollars, very happy, successful, it would seem, young man. And he goes and he says, knocks on the door and he says, I left, I got to talk to you. Okay, nice Jewish young man. Comes in and he says, Rabbi, 
I want to commit suicide. Commit suicide? He says, you, you seem to have a nice life here. You know, you, your parents give you whatever you want. And he said, you don't, know the, you don't know the rest of the story. The rest of the story is that my mom passed away. And, and um, my dad remarried. And, got, and his wife is not, the, the, the condition when she got married to my dad was that I don't really want, I can't deal with the fact that you have children and that's just, it's either me or the kids. Dad figured, look, I don't have little kids anymore. My youngest is 18. I care about them. I love them. I'll make sure they're set for life. Calls his son in, and this is a true story. He gives his son, he says, look, here's a credit card. You know, I got money. Whatever you want, you don't have to ask me. Just, you know, you just, I'll just pay the bill. That's it. And he said, I want to commit suicide. Because my father doesn't want, there's no one in the world that cares about me. They don't want an interaction with me. It doesn't matter what I do. It doesn't matter if I'm good. It doesn't matter if I'm bad. He's like, look, I'm just taking care of you. And said Rabbi left, that is what that, this is the incredible, incredible blessing that the Jewish people got through the inheritance that Isaac was giving over to Jacob. And he said, you know what? What you do, what you do, what your children do, what the Jewish people are going to do matters so much that you're only going to get the things that you need and the things that you want if you deserve it. And that means that we're going to have to have a lot of interaction. And that means sometimes you're going to get things, sometimes you're not going to get things. We're going to have to talk and we're going to have to interact. And, and we, that means we need the relationship. If we want to get what we want, we're going to, we're going to have to interact a lot. And, that is the tremendous beauty of why that, and we know, you know, uh, that uh, people want our attention. They want interaction with us. They don't want, they don't want endless gifts. You know, sometimes someone always gives gifts and doesn't give anything else besides gifts. The gifts are great if they're part of a relationship. It's actually a similar thing. We know when um, after, uh, you know, Adam and Eve and the snake and they had the whole, story where they ate from the tree and weren't supposed to eat from it so there were all kinds of consequences and the consequence of the snake was that it would always have what to eat because it, going forward it would slither on the ground and eat dirt what was so bad about that and the commentator says because the, what god was saying is you've gone so low you're not gonna have a relationship with me you don't need me you just go get your dirt you're fine Human beings, well, human beings have needs. That's why human beings have so much needs. Compared to every other creature, every other creature on the planet is pretty much self-sufficient. Plants and animals, they don't have to work. They don't have to do, we have, we have endless needs. God created those needs as a means for us to have a relationship with God. And that is the best thing for us, to have that relationship with God. It's not always a walk in the park, but it's a meaningful thing. Got the more 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 ideas here. This week's parsha, we learn the origin of anti-Semitism. Now, there's lots of books on anti-Semitism. There's lots of sociological theories and psychological theories, economic theories. There, there's there's more theories about anti-Semitism than there are Jews. 
But in this week's Parsha is where we see the origin, and this is God himself. You want to you know, ask God, why is anti-Semitism? God tells us. In chapter 27, verse, verse 1, it says, it's fascinating, you just read the story here this week, it's just so much. It says, Basically, there, be, there, there comes this eternal rivalry. What, what happens, right? Yaakov call, Isaac calls on his son. Esav, Jacob kind of, you know, tricks his brother. And then, the, then, and then the Torah says Esav hates Yaakov. And then when Isaac then gives them over the blessing, gives over to them the eternity, what's going to be? You know what he says? He says, look, when you, Jacob, when you doing what you're, it says straight out, Jacob, when you do what you're supposed to do, then your brother will compliment you. He'll work for you. He'll actually take care of you. He'll help you. He'll, when you're not, your brother will have the upper hand and he'll rule over you. It says it black on white. It's just like, it, it, even if you don't believe in the oral law, even if you're a, 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 a literalist, this is actually in the Torah, where God is saying, Esau, which represents, um, you know, Rome and West, Western civilization. And that's what's happened over the years. And look at any historian, as the Jewish people do what they're supposed to do, things are good. When they're not, when we're not doing what we're supposed to do, things aren't so good. And that's anti-Semitism. And this is such a fact of life. The Talmud and Rashi actually says this. It's actually called a halacha. Judaism, the word for law is halacha. Halacha is from the word of going. It's the way things go. It's just the way things go. I had, I had, a, I had, a, big, I had a, a rabbi I was very close to. He always would say, like, that's the way it is. That's the way it goes. That's the way it goes. The Torah is full of telling us that's the way things go. And one of the facts and laws of nature is anti-Semitism. And it's in our hands. Yes, doesn't mean we shouldn't advocate. We're, we're told, you know, we're, you know, we're, you know, we try to try to do self-defense and things like that. But the main thing to do is to be the best people that, we're, that, that, that we can be, as God told us to be. Caring people, kind people, people interested in the truth, sincere people, people who try to emulate God. It's very helpful in this day and age. Okay. So, chapter 25, verse 20. So much here. Verse 20. Beginning of the Parsha. It's introducing Isaac. Right? Like I said, this is the Parsha of Isaac. It's it. It says, Yitzhak was 40 years old when he married his wife, Rebecca. It doesn't just say Rebecca. Now, we heard the whole story last week. What does it say? Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebecca, daughter of Besuel the Aramean from Padan Aram, sister of Laban the Aramean, as a wife for himself. So you understand? You want to say who her father was. But then it adds on. It says, uh, it says who his brother was. Now, his, her brother was one of the worst people to ever live. He was a swindler. 
Why is the Torah making such a point of who her family members were? And that he was 40 years old. All this information we know, there's nothing in this verse that we don't know already. If you're following the story, we know he's 40. Um, we know who the brother is. We know where the father is. We know where they're from. So the Chassam Sofer says, the reason why we're, that we're focusing on this, because it says in Ethics of the Fathers, and I guess kind of, uh, I hope I'm not too far behind the program, but it says when someone's 40, they have reached the 40s, it's 40 because the next level isn't until 50, so 40 is the age of Bina. Ben Arboim Labina. A person has understanding. So, it, so what's going on over here? You know, we're talking about the future of the, of the Jewish people. They've got these two sons. I, I, you know, Jacob, Esau, they're playing out the history of the world. Nachmari says, you follow these stories, you can learn all of world history. It's a, uh, it's a foreshadowing. But Isaac really, as wonderful he was, as smart and spiritual and worked hard, he lived, he grew up in an extremely sheltered house. He grew up in the house of Abraham and Sarah. He never left the land of Israel. He almost himself was a sacrifice. He was he was he did not grow up the way his wife did. And that was a perspective. When a person, when it says a person reaches 40, now it's kind of hard to, to think this because I kind of think I, I'm not quite there, but but it's a certain amount, you've had a certain amount of life experience. You have a certain amount of life experience. And that life experience means you've seen a lot in life and therefore you have a perspective on it. And what the Torah is telling us is, yeah, you know, Yitzchak, in order to be that union, to, to raise the, the beginning of the Jewish people, was he had to have the perspective of, of his wife Rivka who saw the truth and had the adversity of dealing, living in a country and living in a family that were the antithesis of everything that she stood for. And, uh, and that's what the Torah is coming to, 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 to teach us. So sometimes you can have something about yourself or about you where you grew up or about maybe even your family, whatever it might be, which you might think may actually be a check against yourself. Um, but really, that really may be something which makes you extremely, extremely, uh, what you have to bring to the table very, very valuable. They say, you know, there's all kinds of books. They say, you know, if someone was an addict and they recovered, how much they can, they have so much insight and they have so much, they can help someone, much more than someone who never had that experience. And that's an experience which uh, God wanted the, our, our forefathers to, to, to have someone at the table with that experience. Two more quick ideas, then we'll do a quick review. So who is this character Asa? We talked at the beginning about half an hour ago, we we're discussing that at the beginning of the portion, it seems that that Isaac, like he, his, he remember he was blind and his son kind of like on the front, he was, he was like a two-face, Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. He would like on the one hand, he he gave off this impression of being a very righteous, religious person. And on the other hand, we know he was a horrible person. So when 
when Rivka had these babies in her stomach, so we she didn't know exactly what happened. She didn't know she even had twins. It wasn't like they have sonograms. And she had these two twins. And when she would pass by the study hall, the monotheistic study hall, her one baby would go nuts. She, she didn't know it was one baby, but she felt her stomach going nuts. And then she would go past the idol worship house and her stomach would go nuts. And she was very spiritually in tune. And she knew that this child was having a gravit spiritual pulls in an opposite direction. And then she goes to the house of God. She goes to the problem. And she's like, if this is what I have, I don't need this. I don't want this. And all the commentators point out, what, what, what kind of, what is it? She doesn't want her kid. I mean, she's not, not loving her kid and not accepting her child for who they are. He said, you know what? If my child was just had bad tendencies, so you work with it. If my child had very righteous tendencies, you work with that. But this child is not straight. This child is confused. This child is, is presenting as one and being something else. It's not an authentic person, not, not someone who's, who's true through and through. And that we learn from, learn is, is, is one of the things to really strive not to be and really to strive so much to be the opposite. In fact, we know the epitome of non-kosher food. Everyone thinks, what's the epitome of non-kosher food? Pork, pig. Why is it? Because it represents, you know, in order to be kosher, an animal has to have split hooves all the way through and has to chew its cut, has to, has to have, has several stomachs and it keeps processing the food. The pig doesn't have those stomachs that process, but it does have the split hooves. And when a pig sits down, it puts its hooves out it says, look, see, I'm kosher, but I'm not. We have to be so careful and on the lookout for things that look, you know, when something is clear that it's bad, you know, you don't get influenced by a, a murderer. You can get influenced by a celebrity who seems to be an amazing person, but it's really not. And, and, and that's something we want, which, which one of the, the highest accolades and when, a, when the Torah says is not, not, not intelligence and not even righteousness, but the Torah says if someone is tocho kibaro, their inside is like they're out. They're sincere. And, we, and we're attracted to that. People are, people love, we all know, think about the people that you really like and you love. It's usually people who are just very sincere. You see is what you get. And that's, we, we see from, uh, from, from, from Rebecca, how important that was. One last idea. Chapter 26, verse 18. Chapter 26, verse 18. Big story here about Abraham years earlier had dug wells. And Isaac goes back to those places. And what does it say about these wells? Very deep ideas. But it says, Isaac dug anew the wells of water which they had dug in the days of Abraham. So he, he re-dug the wells that his father dug because the Philistines had stopped up those, those, um, those wells. And then, so now he re-dug those wells and he called them by the same names that his father had called them. Very cryptic, seemingly not important verse. But the commentators say that... This shows us the importance of tradition. Yitzhak, at this point, actually, it says, this is when Yitzhak kind of hits his stride. He starts calling out in the name of God and, and, and spreading the, 
the, the, the good word, but he said it had to be, yes, he had his own way, he had his own personality, his own unique uh, way in, in, in emulating God, but it had to be, certain things need to be he, he the exact same way it's always been. He went to his father's well, well means is, is symbolic for, for spirituality, for Torah. He, he took that, he called it the same name, and then he took, when he had that strong foundation, he went with it. And that is, especially in our day and age, you know, we're so into everything being new, out with the old and with the new. And Judaism is very, very into being creative. We're very into being unique and taking all the new advances that we have in, in knowledge and in science, take that and take your personality and rock it. But it's got to be connected to the to completely connected to the past. Doesn't mean you don't adapt to the times and you don't stay in touch with reality and, and understand how these ancient beautiful principles apply today. But it's got to be grounded there. You know, uh, someone asked me once, "What's the definition of a rabbi?" It says in the Torah, "Gotta listen to rabbis." So Maimonides gives a fantastic definition, and he says the definition of a rabbi is someone who has a spiritual chain with completely unconnected, going all the way back to Mount Sinai, directly where we all had that intimate interaction with God. And, and, and really, it's not just about being a rabbi. It's anyone. Anything authentic, anything truly authentic, needs to go all the way, all the way back. If you got a break in the chain and, 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 you, and you get stuck like, huh, that's, that's not legit. That's not legit. It's not legit. And you, you yourself, including myself, I, I can, I, I, I myself can, I, you know, I can be where I'm at spiritually, but it's a question if I'm, if I connect to this so, so strong thing, I, I'm connecting to eternity. I'm, I can feel incredible. I'm so much bigger than myself. When you when you when you go it alone, you know it's very very fragile. When you connect to that, and that's why the Jewish people are still here. We're here because you know we're small. We 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 typically say you know 14, 8, 14 to eighteen million, but we're 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 the biggest organism. <laughs> we're completely completely connected, going all the way back. And I can do that. You know the 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 person. Who uh, ordained me as a rabbi? I know who his rabbi was, and his rabbi was, and his rabbi. I could take it all the way back. It's not that hard, all the way back to Moses and God. And as the Jewish people, we can do that. And as long as you consider yourself and you connect to the Jewish people, that you 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 can do that. Doesn't mean you don't blaze your own path within that. So, quick review. Now we talked about how when you want to give someone instruction, you want to tell someone something that may not be so pleasant, the first thing you got to do, give them a blessing. Show them that you care about them. Then we said that what's most important is not what do you do, but who you are. Obviously, you have to do good things. But more importantly is who, who are you? We talked about the idea that one of the secrets of secret powers of the Jewish people is our concept that we can be a renegade. We can be in the farthest parts of the earth, the lowest spiritual levels, and we, we have that DNA. We can just snap right back. And how do we do it? By, by exposing ourselves to holy things. We talked about the idea that a person needs to accept and 
figure out who they are and take that. Don't change it, but take it and run with it and recognize what your tendencies are. We talked about how the most amazing thing is our relationship with God that, it, you know what, what we do matters and we don't get things. We don't get free lunches. What we There's consequences for what we do. And that means we have a relationship with God. We're not a God who gave us a credit card and said, I don't want to hear, I don't want to approve of anything. We talked about anti-Semitism, how anti-Semitism is a, is, is a law of nature and it's there to help us out. And the more we understand it, the more we can know that the main thing we can do is to be the best people that, 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 we, that we can be. We learned from the Hassam Sofer how a lot of times your past history that may not be so bright or certain parts of your personality can actually be a very good thing that, that you bring to, to the table. We talked about avoiding and, and, and really being in touch with the concept of being, of, 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 um, being contradictory. And lastly, we learned about the importance of tradition. So uh, great to have everyone on tonight. Uh, you have time. Look over this weekly portion. It's really amazing. Everyone should stay safe and stay healthy and have a, a beautiful Shabbos.